Hello, my name is Alex Walker. I'm the CEO of Eastar Resources. Eastar Resources is a London-listed company focused on exploration in Kazakhstan. Um, we're here, we've got uh, nine projects in, in three mineral districts. We've got a rare earth project. We have a gold exploration project and an orogenic gold belt. And we have a copper lead zinc project, uh, which is VMS in the Rubna Altai volcanic massive sulfide belt of Kazakhstan. Alex, lovely to meet you. It's the first time we've met or um, spoken um, here, here on Crux, so I appreciate you coming on. Kazakhstan, That's, uh, I, I've worked there in the oil and gas business, lovely people um, out there. Why have you gone there? Um, look, it's a very good question. We were, we were searching for a place that was, uh, had the right trajectory in terms of um, uh, operating environment for mineral explorers. Um, I've been in and around this industry for, for close to 20 years, and we, um, you know, we're having... We're noticing that certain jurisdictions were becoming a little bit more difficult to operate in, and Europe was was very much one of those. Um, we were looking at places that um, were showing huge deals and huge mineral potential, but were very much unexplored. And when we came to Kazakhstan originally, we were searching for um, a, a continuation of the trend that, that Ferro Alloy were on. Um, they had a, a vanadium operation here in quite a substantial market cap. Um, but when we came here, it wasn't just that part that we fell in love with. We fell in love with the country, with the copper potential, with the people um, and the operating environment. And we were very determined to do business here. Right. I mean, it, you're not on your own. There's, um, I, I've certainly worked in the oil and gas sector um, there and lots of them. Mining, is that, is that a big thing in Kazakhstan? Oh, it's huge. It's, it's hundreds of years or thousands of years of history of mining, certainly. So it's very much in the lifeblood of, of the country and it's become... Um, you know, in particular because of a, a, a more of a strategic decline in, in carbon um, uh, energy, mining is getting a, a, a new boost um, for, for Kazakhstan. So major operators here, Polymetal, um, you've got Glencore, you've got ERG, you've got ArcelorMetal, and then lots of companies in exploration, Rio Tinto and Fortescue Metals are two house brand names that are here in a big way. Right, okay, so... so um... I guess people would be looking to try and understand what, what what's Kazakhstan like for foreign companies um, coming in. Is there a good sort of um, mining law there in terms of you know is it is it easy? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know the timing of us entering is, is sort of perfect. I've got a bit of a catchphrase that Kazakhstan's Western Australia in the nineteen seventies. Um, and what do you mean? You by, know, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? What by do that? I mean? Well, it's it's, it's several fold. One is that they changed their mineral law in twenty eighteen. Um, and it's been modelled on that of Western Australia. So before 2018, um, anecdotally, people would say it used to take about two years to get an exploration licence, and it now takes 10 days. Um, and we're a testament to that. We've had, you know, we've been awarded five licences um, that we've applied for this year, all, all very simply. Um, so the, the new mineral system is based on first come, first serve. It's a far more efficient system um, than it has been in the past. And so explorers can come here and, and get things done. Um, and the other reason it's like West Australia in the 1970s is just completely, un, exactly the behemoth of the size and the untapped potential. Um, it is almost exactly the same size as Western Australia. So WA is you know, just over 2.7 million square kilometres and Kazakhstan is 2.65, which by the way is the size of Western Europe. And, um, uh, and you've got these ginormous mineral belts which have had surface expressions, scratchings, they've got artisanal miners on them, they've got gold workings all over the shop. Um, 
and and just to have had no modern day exploration techniques, geophysics, methodical um, exploration. So that's that's why we're here, and it's 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 now just trying to maintain a focus and figure out where the best um where the best targets are. And are people, I mean. I kind of like that kind of you know unexplored sort of virgin, virgin territory in, in that sense, and that's you know he, he, he dares to tread first, you know could can do well out of it. But how do you go about doing that? I mean, where 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 are your properties? You, you talk about nine different assets. That's a lot for a junior. Yeah, well, it's um in effect, it's really three um three mineral districts. So we've got you know five contiguous licenses, for example, in the Rudnay Altai Belt. Um, why are we focused on there? Well. Look, when you're a small company, you've got to pick and choose your battles. And one of the things that you want is uh, is early stage success, um, you know, as de-risked as possible. And, and the other thing that I think you want is uh, optionality for development. And uh, the Rudin Alto Belt is, is, is that in spades. So there's um, two major operators there in, in uh, CAS Minerals and Glencore with CAS Inc. Um, they've got, uh, you know, operating mills that are underfed, there's smelters in the region, there's power, water, rail, everything that you could possibly want, literally going through our tenements on your doorstep. Um, so, you know, if we find, well, I say if we find, we've just announced yesterday that we have a, a copper lead zinc deposit, so it's no longer a question of, of if we find something. Um, you know, the economics for development, the economic threshold for development for projects like this are incredibly low because of that infrastructure, of that mining history, and so on. So that's why we picked that region. Um, uh, and then, from a from a geological perspective, we picked it because, as I said before, we feel like it's been drastically underexplored. Um, you know, it's significantly lacking modern exploration techniques across the whole belt. So we picked up an area in the middle that was undercover, and it's got mine, mine, mine along the Searchers Fault. Nothing here. Mine, mine, mine to sell it. So we pegged this bit. Um, the cover and it's already starting to pay off. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're conscious. You said you you got to get focused because I think the, I think the difficulty where you, you're sort of six seven million pounds um, in terms of market cap. I know you've raised raised some money, um, so you've got a bit of money. We'll talk about that in a second. But you've got to get focused. And so so how should people look at you? Are you after rare earths? Are you after the you know copper lead zinc? Are you after gold? I mean, what what, what type of company are you? Yeah. It's, look, I think that's a really good question, Matt, because um, you can't do everything, right? And the first 12 months of us listing was um, what, what we've been trying to do is give investors optionality because let's be perfectly honest and fair about this, exploration is a risky game. Um, you know, we, we've been on the ground here in Kazakhstan for a couple of years. We started reviewing over 150 projects available before we decided that the best way forward was actually just to peg ground ourselves. And part of that was just, you know, um, uh, you know, going through negotiations and the potential difficulties of doing regular capital markets negotiations with, with locals. But we've ended up with this, this portfolio of fantastic assets and we spent the last 12 months significantly de-risking them with, with some um, uh, data obviously still to come. So now we're at this critical juncture where we've got um, a rare earth project, which is a historical deposit. We've drilled it, uh, just 1,001 metres of RC drilling. Um, we're going to await the assays that should come this quarter, and then we're going to do the leach test work. So that whole process will define whether or not we've got quite a significant um, and a developable, uh, potentially developable rare earth project. 
Okay, so given given you've given you've approached um, find or, you know pegging yourselves and you know finding these assets yourself after having reviewed 150 plus um, opportunities is you've you've got to be really clear about what your model is. You know whether you are half prospect generator, half explorer, how you intend to finance going forward. Because exploration, it, it, it's a risky game, but it's also a game of continually raising equity and diluting shareholders. So in, again, coming back to the question of what, do I, what am I buying into? What, what do I get out of it? What's the business plan for you guys moving forward? So the, it's, a, it's a really good question. And what I would say is, is that uh, until today, we've been... Um, a company that's providing optionality uh, for, for shareholders. Now, what, what occurs from here is it's easy to be a project generator and that might still be a feather to our cap here because we've got all the expertise and we've really built a knowledge in, in-house of doing that. But I'm also acutely aware that um, if you make that your business enterprise, then you are beholden to other parties, their timing and so on. And that's not the way I want to do business either. You know, we want to be in the front seat driving um, assets and and driving the timing to deliver value to shareholders. So what I um, believe we will be throughout the course of this year and, and very definitively by the end of this year, we will have one to two projects which we're putting joint resources on. Um, that we have the capacity um, or we want to demonstrate the capacity to take through to development or sell or whatever the the appropriate valuation is for for shareholders at the time. Um, Anything that doesn't fit that basket, you know, we we will look to joint venture out or we'll look to, um, uh, you know, use as part of the project generator model and we'll still try and obviously attribute value to that. But it's pretty clear in my mind now that we're going to have two two projects that are ready to move into feasibility, hopefully move into feasibility, um, you know, towards the end of this year, early next year. Oh, soon as that. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Look, I, I always think it's important to understand what in, what's in the minds of the, the management and specifically the MD or CEO um, in terms of how you manage that, the money side of things, because raising it is, is hard. The allocating is a little bit easier, um, but you, if you've got those that kind of focus on on two core projects and you're happy to JV flip out sell or or just dump um, projects, it, it kind of it kind of helps. Okay, so uh, understand. Can you just tell me a little bit about you though? I mean, what, what you say you've been at it for a while, but what's what's your background or what have you done that's similar to this? Sure. Um, so I started in in Perth, Western Australia, and I was in essentially in mining finance. I worked for a company called Patterson Securities. Um, who were probably one of the largest um, brokers at the time, certainly for, in particular for small and mid-cap mining spaces. So it's, you know, if, if I was in Silicon Valley, I'd have been raising money for, for, for tech companies and getting associated with that. But Perth it very much comes in, in the blood. Um, and I'm often reminded by people that I was actually born in Cornwall, so there might be a bit of tin and mining in my blood uh, uh, in, that, in that sense as well. Um, and so in, in doing so, you grow up very quickly in the mining finance world for, for, for all the good and all, and all the bad, um, let's be fair. So, um, you know, I went, I went through that process. I, I, I understood how the system worked. I got to understand the players. Um, the, the technical aspect of mining, you know, when you're looking at it, you, you grow your knowledge base every day. And I, I did a master's of mineral economics as well, just to, um, you know, ensure that I had that, that strong basis of, of, of understanding mining. Um, money economics side of things. 
And uh, after a period of time in 2013, I moved to London and ran a London office for Patterson's. Uh, I then joined after about a bit over 12 months, I joined a, a London boutique um, investment bank, uh, did that for about three years, uh, continued to structure deals, raise finance and so on. Um, after that, I joined Pareto, which is a big Norwegian bank that did um, uh, bonds and equities and, and so on, which you might know. And then during that time, um, you know, obviously you, you grow quite quite the network, um, but one of my uh, close friends was a, a private equity uh, geologist. And we'd always said we'd try and start a company together. And so uh, eventually we did, and we both jumped ship to the junior end of the market and listed a company on the Australian Stock Exchange, um, which was uh, prospective for Vanadium in, in Sweden. Um, that was uh, that was a really interesting couple of years for us. I mean, certainly cut our teeth on the other side of the fence quite drastically. I still believe that's probably one of the largest vanadium projects in the world. Um, just undrilled, had a lot of other uh, issues associated with it with regards to um, Swedish law and getting approvals and, and so on and so forth. Um, and so that was, a, that was the time when we started to realise that that was going to go slow, still had huge potential. That's when we started to focus on Kazakhstan and and, um, and so on. It, the culmination of all of that when COVID hit was that it was really difficult, obviously, to do anything outside of you know your, your home home country. Um, so that entity did some deals in Australia. The share price went up very well. All shareholders got looked after, but my business partner and I said we don't want to you know we don't have an angle there. You know we don't have a point of difference, um, and that's quite critical for us. So. Um, so we sort of handed over that company and we left and, and uh, he went on to do another thing and I went on to run, run you know, the established, you know, Kazakhstan part of the business. Right. So, so who, who, he's the technical part of this. I mean, because obviously, yes, financier, um, it's great in terms of uh, talking to markets, raising money, et cetera, um, you know, structuring deals. But when you're going after what you're going after on the ground, you, you need a team there. What have you got? Well, that's it. Yeah, and it's a good point. It's it's really important to have the right technical team. So, um, it, so he, he was a huge part of that. Um, you know, with with the culmination of ideas and the due diligence at the start. Another part of that team, and and actually who became a, a founder of this company as a as a private entity with me. Um, his name is Dr. Rainer Elmies. Actually introduced to me many many years ago by one of uh, Crux's favourites, um, Brandon Munro. Um, oh, right. So yeah. So he, he, exactly. So you know, Brandon held um, held Rain in very high regard. I've met him a number of times over the years, and he's just um, as good as they come when it comes to geology. Um, and uh, and you know, he's he's sort of operating something like six mines or development, exploration, and operating mines in Namibia at the moment. He's got five or six discoveries to his name, and he was born in East Germany and speaks fluent Russian. Did his PhD in Russian. So um, he, he came in as, a, as an early stage investor and helped with, you know, all the um, original technical due diligence and, and so on. Obviously, since then, the team's built out quite significantly and a few people have, have, have come and gone. You know, we've got um, four, uh, four full-time geologists on staff at the moment. We have three consultants, um, you know, and these are just fantastic picking the eyes out of, um, you know, local operators in terms of how, how you get the most out of them. We've got this chat, I Igor, um, Igor Edinovich, he used to work with 
BHP and he's got all those on his resume and you would not want for a better um, uh, person conducting your field surveys. Um, but he's also incredibly good at taking these historic maps and geo-referencing them correctly and then digitizing them into AutoCAD and then we upload it to new systems, which is tr which is really difficult and a real art. Um, so we've got a team of people around that, that do things like that. It, it, it's amazing, actually, the, the amount of data um, done by the Russian Geological Society or equivalent um, when we were sort of hunting oil, oil and gas. It, it's, it's phenomenal, phenomenal amount of data. But look, OK, I, I kind of want to get into it a little bit more. OK, so, OK, first mover advantage. It's, it's like Western Australia in 19, 1970s. Licenses are easy to get and you've got a team on the ground. Great. So far. Um, with regards to let's talk, let's talk about money. So, how much money have you got? You raised some money recently. So, what what are you setting on at the moment? Where is that going to get you? Yeah. So, so we listed a, in um, uh, January tenth of twenty twenty two. We raised three point one million quid um, into a shell that that had a couple of million quid before that. Um, you know, I think post fees when all said and done, um, and you know, the money we were sitting on once everyone had been paid was about four point one million quid um, at the start of that year. We reported, uh, I obviously know what we're sitting on at the moment, but until we release those results, I can't, can't give any exact figures to everyone. Um, but we're not desperate for cash, so I can assure you of that. Um, but uh, I think the last time we reported was 3.2 million quid, which was the middle of, middle of last year. Um, but we've been drilling, you know, we've been putting out results and so on. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk, about, talk about that again in, in a second. So I'm, I'm keen to understand what you're going to, we get, what you're actually going to um, do with that capital um, for, for, for sure. Okay. So, so, so the money side, that, that, that's kind of fine. So uh, where, where are you now, by the way? Are you? I, I'm Australian? in Almaty. Yeah. I, I live in, I live you're in Almaty. Almaty. Okay. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you so, moved the whole family there. All right. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was August <laughs> before the IPO. It was August of last year. Uh, we moved out. So I've got a wife, I've got a, my daughter's turning five next week and my son's two and a half and, there at uh, Jet, Jet Ski Sad up the road. My Russian is improving tremendously slowly. Um, I think my kids are better than I am. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we've, we've, we're very well settled here and it's, it's, it's been a game changer. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. Okay, so that, that's good. You're not managing, managing this thing remotely. Okay, so that, that, that's good news. Okay, so let's, let's talk about what the plan is for this, this year. You've obviously got two, two kind of areas of focus. So can you break that down for us? Certainly. Well, Let's say we've got three areas of focus, um, you know, but the exact program's yet to be determined. Um, I'll, I'm going to keep it simple and just do it from a news flow perspective in terms of most recent. Yeah. So um, let, let's start in the east and we'll talk about the, the copper lead zinc. So we've literally just announced yesterday that we have a historical deposit. So more than 45,000 metres of drilling on this one particular target area. Over the region, there's about 67,000 metres of drilling. Um, we've digitized all of it. Um, there's a, a patches that are still to come. We're adding inclinometry and a few bits and pieces. But basically, we've started um, the work to do a mineral resource estimate for that. Now, that won't be JORC or 43101 because we don't have access to the core. Um, however, it will probably, hopefully, it will be able to be published as an exploration target. But an exploration target based on, you know, 75 metre space boreholes in, in, in much of the area. So we'll something that we'll be very confident um, about. Um, our intention then is to drill that um, along with our EM targets. So in the same region, we've called it the Vakuba Ore District, um, and it's based around this, this uh, Loshin Formation um, area. 
where, uh, where there's a series of very, very high grade uh, VMS deposits. And there is uh, this uh, basically a sedimentary hosted um, basin along with that. So let's not get too technical. The deposit is part of the, the, the SEDEX aspect of it. We could hopefully re-drill that this year and convert that into a drop resource. And we'll drill these VMS conductors, which they're high, higher risk, but they're very, very high reward. Um, and an example of one of these, it's in the district, which is mined out, is Pokrovskoy. And Pokrovskoy uh, was about 25% copper equivalent. So I don't want to impress, I don't want to um, uh, promise investors that those sorts of grades, but the other mines in the area are still, you know, in excess of three, four, five, six hundred dollars a ton um, at today's prices. So very, very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so and and here's here's the here's the thing. Again, I've asked you. I spent a bit of time at the beginning asking what what am I buying into, and I and I still want to kind of go there because. It, as you say, it, it's high risk, high rewards, right? It's either going to work or it's not. It's some, sometimes quite binary, right? Yeah, it was. It was. It was high risk. Well, I, I know, no, but, yeah, but it still, I, it still can continue to be. I, I get, sure. I get the announcements over the past couple of days, um, and and I get what's going on in terms of closeology, neurology in in the shadow of a head frame, and all of that kind of good stuff, right? But I, I've got, I've got to be realistic here. It was like, so my question is, in terms of your ability to be to manage the money so i think effectively and by effectively i mean you've got it you have got to get the balance between putting some good stories into the market and people go catch their attention you know 19 meters at 14 and a half grams per ton is quite nice um but you've also got to do stuff on the ground which is effective too which kind of moves things forward um technically right so you've got to get that balance right so how do you allocate each pound sterling uh, to you know, maximize the effect of both those things? Yeah, I think, you know, we need to be, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. We need, you need to be realistic about all of your targets. You know, my intention and, and one of the good things about having a number of assets, despite the fact that it might be perceived as a lack of focus, is, is the ability to, um, to make much, much better decisions each year as to how to allocate that capital, right? So, so you know, we've got X dollars um, in the bank today. Um, and before we start spending big checks again in terms of, you know, drilling, which is when obviously your, your, your capex goes up, um, you know, we're going to know how de-risked our, our rare earth project is, for example, because we'll have assay results and leach test work. So we already know that it's shallow. We already know that it's free dig. We already know the infrastructure in the region is supportive. We already know how the Akimat, um, which is like the municipality, feels about the development. And they've said to us that even bring power and water to site. We've got this big picture here that we think is great. And there's a big question mark. The one question mark over it is, will it leach? How well will it leach? So if the results are horrible, which we obviously don't expect them to be, but if they're horrible, then that's easy. That's decision made. No longer, um, uh, we no longer need to allocate capital to that project. But if the results are what we hope and expect them to be, well, then we'll be able to deliver that to the market and say, look at the comparisons. All of our peers are worth $100 million um, with very similar projects. And it'll cost us, you know, $3 million, for example, don't quote me on that number, but this many millions of dollars to drill this out, um, get the extensions and potentially significantly increase the size of this resource. So that's that's one example there. Another example is, is, is the... Um, the copper, which we've just announced. We know there's an old um, resource there. 
you know, for, for one to one and a half million dollars, we should be able to convert that to a job resource. It's not a very big check, you know, when you're saying, well, actually, we're converting something to a jort resource in an area where people will potentially buy our ore, buy the mine, you know, um, your, your, your development optionality is, is, is huge. So, um, and I, I don't want to detract from the gold as well. We've obviously got, got um, gold assays pending, um, but um, where it stands now is, is that we've got two projects where we believe we can convert these to jort resources within 12 months. Um, it's quite clearly to me, that is de-risking and adding value in a very significant way um, uh, to shareholders. So in my head right now, that's going to be a, a big chunk of the focus. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. And then just finally, um, in terms of the share register, um, board of management, 12.5%. Um, how much money have you put into this thing? You know, how committed are you? I mean, you obviously moved your whole family. That's a pretty good start. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 11 of that 12, 12.5%. So wow. um, okay. you, you okay. don't get better right. aligned in terms of, um, uh, in terms of, yeah, basically wanting the best with for shareholders. You know, um, I, I know it's, dilution isn't the be all and end all, but but I am very protective of dilution and the share price and. You know the major shareholder is um uh, is the Flannery family out of out of Australia. Um, uh, which explain is who they are for people who may not know them. Sure. So so um the Flannery family they they made their money um originally I think the first big money they made was um selling their coal project um uh, back in two thousand and seven. Don't quote me on the exact numbers. It was something like five or six hundred million was was their cut. Um, and they've kind of built an investment empire from there. So. You know, they've got um, a fund that's sort of 300 million that's small cap mining and they've got property portfolios and other bits and pieces. And, and um, but they're wonderful, tremendously supportive, understand, you know, the business very, very well. They own 17% of the company. And, um, uh, you know, I, spe I speak with them, you know, every couple of weeks um, just to, uh, to, to make sure that they're in line with our strategy. So they're the largest, I'm the second largest. Um, I put 45,000 pounds into the IPO at 5P and, and helped also invested all my time and energy for the year, year and a half and, and capital, tens of thousands of pounds before that um, to get it to where it is. Um, so yeah, I'd say we're aligned. I'd say we're invested. I'd say, um, you know, 5P is the price that I last put money at and I'd love to see the next money going at a higher price. So. Um, uh, so that's definitely going to be my focus. Brilliant. Well, like Alex, um, thank you for introducing um, your story there. I think it's the, these are always you know, fa fascinating to sort of see how people go about engineering these things and, and, and building companies. So stay in touch and do let us know how you get on over there in Kazakhstan. Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Matt. Appreciate it.